Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Mickey Blog Podcast. I am your host, Jared, alongside my co-host, Alyssa, and we have a very exciting episode coming in hot for you guys today. We're super excited about our guest and the entire topic and everything in between. But before we jump into that, I want to mention that this episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast and every episode is brought to you by Mickey Travels. We'll talk more about Mickey Travels later on in the episode. And Alyssa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. It's the middle of the week, halfway to the weekend. Halfway to the weekend. It's it's such a strange time in Disney World because it's summer and well, it's about to be summer and we're jumping into summer and everything like that, but it's halfway to Christmas. So Disney is celebrating just, they, they just keep dropping all these Christmas news. And it's so funny because we keep posting them here at Mickey Blog. And the fans in the comments will keep saying, it's June, what are you doing? So it's it's one of those strange times. But uh, honestly, I love Christmas, so can't, can't be more excited. But let's Absolutely. jump right into our episode. We're so excited to have our guest on today and to talk about Give Kids the World. Give Kids the World is an amazing, amazing um, program and, and village, and, and we're just so excited to talk about it. But our guest today is Stephen Amos, and Stephen Amos is the Vice President of Advancement for Give Kids the World. Stephen was born and raised in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, and is a proud fan of the Green Bay Packers. He has the cheese head to prove it. You know, Stephen, you should have wore that today. should have. Stephen graduated from Drake University in 2009 and relocated to Central Florida shortly after to further his career at the Walt Disney World Resort. Over the next 10 years, Stephen held many roles from theme park operations to Disney Cruise Line marketing. He wrapped up his time at Disney with Yellow Shoes Marketing as a photography producer. Stephen began his career with Give Kids the World in December 2019 and since taking the development team to New Heights from reigniting past events like Coasting for Kids to creating brand new events like Night of a Million Lights. Uh, Stephen is passionate about raising awareness for our mission in new and creative ways. And in his spare time, Stephen enjoys going on adventures with his wife, Lacey, and kids Henry and Harper. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So to jump right into the you know topic and, of course, um, discussing so much about Give Kids the World, before we do that... Uh, I want to let our listeners and viewers get to know you a little bit. I know I mentioned your history with the Walt Disney Company, but can you talk a little bit more about that and your ties directly with the Walt Disney Company? Sure. Like most other people, I got my start uh, on the Disney College program. So I was working over at um, Hollywood Studios and Attractions over at One Man's Dream and Little Mermaid and Playhouse Disney. And uh, I returned back to college, uh, graduated, uh, and then I was afforded uh, a really cool opportunity to um, take a role with uh, opening up the Disney Dream and the Disney Fantasy Ships on their marketing team. So um, spent a couple of years over there, um, worked in marketing strategy for a little bit on the Halloween and Christmas parties, uh, transitioned into, um, most people don't go the opposite direction. I went from office space back into parks because um, I just love the theme park atmosphere and worked in um, a department called Park Event Operations on the media side. So, you know, the Christmas Day filming, any of the, you know, we shot the new store and helicopter shoot, any of those type of big productions um, our team had a role in. And then in my final stint at Disney, I said I was a producer for the marketing team. So things like, you know, the Slinky Dog billboard to, you know, the assets for, you know, we were opening up Pandora, um, being on the production side of that. So it was an incredible uh, 10 years. Yeah, as most people say, you know, no no two days were alike there. And that company is, is amazing because, you know, when I when I entered it, did I think 10 years later I'd be, you know, producing photography shoots? No, um, but the company allows for that type of growth. Um, so it's, it's, it was an incredible, I mean, just yeah, I frame sets of just all the you know fun events that we got to host uh, in my time there. So you know those are good good memories. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Stephen, let me ask you a question. Um, I am somewhat familiar with Give Kids the World. Just think it's incredible what you guys do. Um, so for anybody who's maybe not as familiar with the organization, could you kind of summarize what what it's about, what it offers these families, uh, just kind of just the overall wonderfulness of it. So for any child that's diagnosed with a critical illness and their wishes to go to either Disney, Universal, or SeaWorld, um, we serve as the destination where we fulfill those wishes um, for those kids. Um, every trip is the same. It's a week-long cost-free vacation, and it's equitable no matter what you ask for. So every kid will get three days at Disney, two days at Universal, a day at SeaWorld, no matter what your wish was. 
Um, everything within 100 miles is also free. So if you want to go to Legoland, Bush Gardens, you know, Medieval Times, that's all free for the kids too. Um, you know, airfare, everything, you know, from accommodations, hotel rooms, food, everything is covered for them on their experience here. And it's all here at Give Kids a World. We're an 89 acre property. So for Disney Files, the best way to explain it, Disneyland Park is 85 acres. So we are the size of a, of a theme park here. We have 166 houses here for the kids. Uh, I said they get that week-long experience here, but we're also a destination for the children. So we're not just where they sleep at night. You know, we are, we have our own main street. We have four attractions here that are all wheelchair accessible, you know, from spas for the kids to movie theaters, to multiple pools, to three restaurants, to arcades, to everything for these kids that they can do an entire day or two here on our property. Uh, it's, it's, it's special. All of our buildings, if you've never been here or never seen photos are whimsical, childlike, um, there, nothing here is institutional looking for their experience here. They've experienced enough of that at the hospitals and we want none of their experience to be like that. And, you know, the one thing I can always summarize with the village is that, you know, it's not a sad place. It is the absolute best week of these kids' lives. And, and the amount of kids that we see here, you know, we, we never want to brag about numbers. Uh, every other wish in the entire world stays at Give Kids the World. We welcome about 8,500 wishes a year. Uh, every year is more than the previous year. And we're just, you know, it's shows like this that help us, you know, drive that awareness to continue to increase the amount of kids that we get to see every single year here. That's, wow. incre that's just incredible. And I hear something about they can have ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> I think I remember seeing something about that they have volunteers that are just scooping out ice cream it is, all day it, long, which it's sounds It's a very um, intimidating volunteership, I learned. I, I volunteered <laughs> here all the time as a cast member before working here. So we start breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning. So, of course, we open up our ice cream parlor at 7.30 in the morning because we encourage all kids to eat ice cream for breakfast on their wish trip here. It's also the last dining location to close. And uh, it is always a line. I mean, there's always busy um, because there's never a shortage of how much ice cream. I, I joke with people now, we just opened up a new venue in April. It's called Olivia's Oasis. We have a place called um, Rock and Spa where it's essentially like a bippity boppity boutique here. No reservations needed. We do the exact same things there. Um, we also have an airbrush tattoo uh, parlor built in. So if you want to walk out glitter tattoos, you can get that. But we used to have a gym at the village. It's called the G.I. Joe Gym. Hasbro built it for us. Uh, I've been here now, you know, for X amount of years, and I'd never seen anybody ever work out. It's because the gym is right next to the ice cream parlor, and the windows looked at it. So I think people, when you have a choice on a wish trip, do I want to go for a run on the treadmill or just go get more ice cream? People were always siding to go get more ice cream. Yeah, I would do the same, Jared. Yeah. Would you? I would definitely be going for ice cream. Yeah, I mean, look, I still want ice cream for breakfast on certain <laughs> days, so it's okay. No, I uh, I've been fortunate enough, actually, Stephen, to go over to the village. My mother uh, was a panelist for Plan Disney for a long time, and uh, she presented Give Kids the World with a with a charity check um, when I was maybe back 14. when they called it the mom's panel when they came back, here. Yeah, exactly. They were called the mom's panel. I remember <laughs> being there during that day. It was very exciting. And I walked the whole campus and I was just so impressed with how, I mean, I just thought to myself, man, if I was a young child, I would be freaking out right now. I mean, I was still kind of freaking out, but that's, that's what I do at Disney all the time anyways. But I think a lot I just of people want... think that, I think a lot of people think that it's like a hotel or, or a singular building that might have some activities there. Um, but yeah, it's a sprawling campus of just so much to see and so much to do. So I think that's where it's hard. When I explain the village on a show like this, it, it's a run on sentence. It's like, you have all of like, how does it, it's not, it's like, we are, we are a city at this place. And I think it's, yeah. why would this exist on 192 behind medieval times in the Walmart? I don't know. We just do. It's, it's here. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Uh, I did want to ask though, it, in terms of, um, Disney specifically, obviously here at Mickey blog, we, we cover the Disney news, you know, everything from the theme parks to the company itself. And, and obviously the majority of our listeners and viewers, uh, are here for Disney. So I wanted to ask, um, you about sort of the history there with how give kids the world sort of first got that partnership going with yeah. Disney and how that's, I guess, evolved over the years. And the relationship with Disney, but it's the, it's the best relationship possible. And when you kind of look back 37 years, we both need each other. When you think about 8,600 kids needing to have their wish fulfilled, you know, for a week long, that it, that's a lot. It's, it's a big impact for the Disney operation to, that'd be almost an entire hotel always being full with wish kids there. Um, and it's, it's, this is a very needed uh, thing to have here because it's the, 
the houses are all built very specifically, you know, for, you know, accessibility needs. And it's just, it's a, a campus that's the right size, but we've been partners since year one. Um, it is definitely, we both knew that there was a need for this. And the relationship that we have with Disney is they provide all of the theme park tickets. And that includes the, what we call the wish pass. So those wish kids get expedited entrance to attractions. They also get free parking and free stroller or wheelchair rentals when they're in the parks there. When we think about what that impact of, a, of an in-kind relationship on that side, it's $20 million, just what you think the value of that relationship is. But they do more than just that. I mean, a huge win from us when we think about from an operational standpoint, they do all the laundry. You don't think about that, but when you have 166 houses with you know, almost 30 housekeepers here, it's over a million dollars in resources that they provide us by always doing the laundry here. They do our telecom services. They help with pest management here. Jeff Bali is on our board. He was actually our most recent chair of the board. Um, and when he joined our board uh, years ago, um, he had a title that it would, you wouldn't know his title because he was the executive vice president of facilities when he turned here and he butterflied into the most incredible position that a board member could have at the Walt Disney Company. It's the president of Walt Disney World. Uh, and he's just, he's always looking out for our best interest. Um, so a lot of what you see here, even from the volunteer level, you know, the volunteers wear their white shirts out here and they are a top group of volunteers. So um, it is an incredible relationship. For me, when I left the Walt Disney Company to come here, it was one of those things of like, you know, can can I can I live on the other side? Like I'm so used to having Disney in my life. And it's very much the same because these wish kids are all wishing for Disney uh, and they come back from the parks. They talk about how great their day was. Uh, so you still feel that same impact uh, just a little bit down the road. So I have a quick question, Stephen. Um, I'm kind of veering off from what I was going to ask you, but I'm just curious because Please. I'm ask. Yeah. So I know the, all the houses um, are, I know that during the night of the million lights, they're, you know, they're, I mean, just sparkling and all that. And, and they're mm -hmm. all themed and all that. Um, are they themed on a regular basis um, in terms of, you know, non-holiday time? And, and do, do families get to choose which houses they want or can they put requests in? Are they sort of assigned? How does, how does that work when? Yeah. A couple of uh, different answers for the questions there. So um, as a night of million lights, of course, it was uh, an awesome event that we hosted here for two years. It was a um, something that came out of the pandemic for ourselves. Um, and I can dive into that a little bit deeper here, but um, the, there's different neighborhoods here. And I think uh, our villas by themselves are, they just don't look like houses. I mean, 21 of our villas here are castles. So I think, you know, you, you, you look at like, they look like they're three stories. They're, they're all the same inside. Once you get in there, the facades are just so over the top. We had Tony Baxter um, out here for his speaker series back in April. And I think sometimes I get numb to how cool uh, the architecture of the village is um, because uh, Tony was just walking around and he's just taking photos of like our buildings and like, he's no longer in like an active Imagineer. And uh, in his presentation, he, he brought up a really good point. He goes, the village is timeless. He goes, there are buildings that after 10, 15 years, you can look at an office building and go, that looks out of date. He goes, the castle that was built here is built 30 years ago. And in 30 years ago, I'll have that same impact that a kid sees today. And it's timeless. And he was admiring a lot of the architecture there. In regards to like, can the families ask? They, of course, they can request anything that they want. The only challenge that we have right now is that every single day uh, since we've reopened, we've been at capacity. Um, it's, it's incredible that we're able to you know, have the, the means to do it. Um, you know, I always joke with people. I mean, I think our end goal is that we one day go out of business because we don't need to be fulfilling that many wishes. Um, but the unfortunate reality is that 30,000 children every single year in the United States are diagnosed with a critical illness. So we're only scratching the surface. So we're always trying to figure out ways to grow. I mean, we're, we have plans in the next five years to be adding 48 more villas to our property here because we don't ever want to say we're full. Um, so that's a, that's a challenge that, you know, we were closed for 10 months and we were, we said, we can't wait for everybody to come back. And um, there was 11,000 wishes that were postponed throughout the pandemic time. So not only are we going through the 11,000 kids who are on the wait list every single day, a new child is you know requesting to come here. So it's that balance to kind of figure it out. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, it's just, it's amazing the lives that, that the village touches. It's something that, you know, I think I, I again, I think I became numb to it when I worked at Disney for 10 years, like how special, uh, Central Florida is for families who don't live in Central Florida. I mean, this wish experience can't really exist anywhere else because the proximity of the theme park attractions in Central Florida, that doesn't exist. You can't have a Disneyland wish and then go tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up, drive 10, mi you know, 10 minutes to go to Universal. It's like hopping on the freeway for you know an hour and a half to try to get to that park. It's just, we are so fortunate that these kids can have a week long with very minimal drive time and there's still not enough days in a week that they can do everything. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can't, 
um, sort of emphasize how great of an organization this is. I can tell you a quick story on a personal note that I wanted to tell on the podcast, and that's my best friend um, since I was four years old actually uh, did a week at the village when he was a kid because uh, he had a very major kidney transplant when he was just eight years old. And at the time, doctors were very unsure if he was going to get through such a major surgery. Um, not only did he make it, but he has had two transplants, two more transplants since. And he was one of my groomsmen at my wedding last year. Oh, wow. um, so uh, I still remember the photos of him uh, being eight years old at the stand to get ice cream in the morning for breakfast. And it's hard for me to personally not get a little emotional about it because as a child and I was eight years old, I didn't understand the gravity of it all. You don't understand how serious it is, how, how real this really is for this child who, and, and, and to be fair, he's he's even told me since, Jared, when I was a kid, I didn't understand it. I didn't realize how life and death it all really was. So um, really, really special that a place like this exists, I guess, and it's hard to put into words. And if you got, I can tell you this, uh, you know, and Alyssa will say the same thing. If you got Tony Baxter complimenting your, uh, your <laughs> yeah. property, then uh, that's a good sign. Yeah, it's, you know, there's something special about uh, camaraderie that's built here at the village, too, because you got to imagine, you know, these kids, you know, some are aware of what's impacting their lives, some don't, um, you know, but something that, you know, they might have gone through treatments where, you know, they might not have hair, you know, or accessibility needs where maybe someone's looking at them different in public. It doesn't happen here at the village. And there's something really special where I, I can never look at a parent and go, oh, I know what you're going through. Like, I don't. I have no idea what you guys are going through. But when, you know, we're, when they're at a party at nighttime here at the village and, you know, there's 165 other sets of parents, they can have that conversation of like, I do know what you're going through. And there's something I would never want to you know, refer to this as like a camp setup, but there is something special about, you know, these kids interact with each other that everything within the walls of the village is, it's peaceful. No one talks politics, religion. it's just, we're here to give these weeks, the kids the best week of their lives. Uh, and there's something that's you know, there's no competition, you know, Coke and Pepsi have machines right next to like nobody cares in the walls here. And I, I say, you know, I oversee our, our social team also. And I go, man, it's, I think we're like the only social page where it's like, I can, we can do a post that has 200 comments. And it's just like all positive comments. And it's like, it's very refreshing mm -hmm. to like this. The, I think we're the only social page left on the internet now where it's like, it's just people are, you know, excited to talk about their wish, their upcoming wish, you know, volunteers, like excited to see them, you know, seeing a photo go, I helped, I served that family ice cream. It's, it's, it's special. And, you know, yeah. I think, you know, Jared, you got to come back. You got to find the star for your friend then, because, you know, in the yeah. castle, that's the tangible piece that, I mean, that's why our, our, the Give Kids World shirt has the stars on it. It's that that's the tangible piece that gets left behind with every wish child. You got to imagine we've welcomed now just under 190,000 wish kids in our 37 years here. And our castle has that representative star of every single child who's ever been here before. And that, you know, it's, it's hard to understand the full scope. Uh, but when you walk into the castle and you look on the ceiling in our star tower in our observatory, you can get an understanding like that's individual wish kids, not just the siblings. Yeah, that's amazing. So, I was going to say also, Stephen, like and I refer to this a lot of times with Disney, but I think it absolutely applies to the village. It's a bubble. Yeah. You know, you mentioned about, you know, no politics, no anger, no disagreement. Um, it's a safe space. And I, I have to say, I think we all need that. But certainly any child and family that is um, going through what none of us could ever imagine um, that you hope nobody ever has to walk through, um, to know that you have that space. Um, and again, I, I kind of call it like a little bit of a bubble um, yeah. where, like you said, you're not judged. You're not, um, you know, um, viewed differently. Um, everybody can relate to each other. There's something really, really special about yeah. that for that entire amount of time. Um, it's just, um, it kind of gives me goosebumps and chills in a really, really it's, good way. It's a real city. I mean, so there's, there's roads, there's stop. I mean, there's, there, it's a real, it's a real city here, but I was giving a tour last night. Um, and a person asked this question, they go, hey, what's that golf cart doing? It's, it's a, we have very unique, uh, customized vehicles here and it kind of looks like a golf cart, uh, like, you know, that you know, has the beverages on it, but it, it also looks like it has a cup of a line built onto it. And I go, oh, that's the golf cart that just serves fresh baked cookies and lemonade. You can flag it down. It just drives around the loop around the village. And it's like, 
you're like, why doesn't that exist in the real world? Like, why, why is there just not vehicles selling fresh baked cookies? It's like at the village, somebody pitches an idea for that and you go, yeah, like, let's, let's do that. Let's let that become yeah, a reality. Can happen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, so Steve, let me ask you, I mean, obviously give kids world is very special to so many people, not only the children, the families, the volunteers, people like us that realize the work that's being done, the lives that are being changed. Um, what would you say, and I know this is really hard to pinpoint, would be extra special for you, you know, that you see in what you do and the village itself? Yeah. And, you know, Pam, who's our president and CEO, and she's been with the organization for, you know, over 30 years. And she always says, it's like, you never want to look at the village as like, you know, a broad stroke of like, these are the people we serve here. Because she goes, every single child has a unique story. You know, and it's like, and where they've come from, you know, like Pam, Pam does a really, some really good narrative about it, but you know, these parents have been to hell and back. It's, it's, you know, the road that got them here. It, you know, it's when people go, Oh, I wish I could experience Gift Kids Roll. I go, no, no, you don't. Like you don't, you don't no. want to have to get to this no. point where something like this has happened in your life. And I, I do want to say that, you know, um, not every story at the village from a wish child perspective is also um, uh, something that is is still bad. I mean, if a kid is in uh, is in fighting cancer, you know, has a successful treatment, and he's been granted his wish, we we don't take it away um, because there's something that you know we kind of hit on it before that you know we can never fully show like what the impact of a wish has with a child, but there is something about like the the spirit and having a child continue to fight. Um, because they know that this could be here waiting for them on the other side of like, if I, you know, if I get through my treatments, if I do something where I can get there and then they come here and, you know, Pam has been here longer than me, but you see something change in these kids while they're here because they start talking to other kids who have you know had the exact same you know illness. And I think one of the, the, the sweetest things that I see here and it happens more than I would ever imagine is that two kids at the same hospital seeking similar treatments asked to do their wishes on on the same trip and our houses are actually duplexes and then they asked to take their wish together so that they can like it's like that camp feel for me and like it warms my heart to you know it, like it makes me emotional think like these two kids at, who are young are fighting the battle together um and it's just something that it's it's powerful and i got two little i got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and i i had no idea how smart um kids can be um but i know like they they of course remember everything i've ever said uh with, with time stamps somehow um but it is uh it is incredible to see these kids battling things and for me it's a huge perspective change in my life that you know i always tell people being a producer at disney was incredible it was a fun job to talk about but there were many days i'd go home and i'd be complaining about my boss my hours my sale everything was just like you know there's always something to gripe about in any job but like the perspective change here and like i said it's like these parents have gone to hell and back. It's like, what do I have to complain about? It's like, my kids are healthy. They were born, like, they've never had any complications. It's like, what, what grounds do I have to complain about anything? Um, and I think for me, like, that's like the, the recharging thing for me here is every single day that I, I have the opportunity to walk downstairs at any given point that when I worked at the company at Disney, I could walk down on main street, say hi to guests. I could walk downstairs and have a conversation with a wish family. And like, that is like the fuel that anybody needs and you can get that recharge from a two-hour volunteer shift also. There's just something special. And I said, the, this community here, like I said, it's in a bubble. I mean, there's no cash handling. There's like, It is truly just like you can walk around and these wish families can ask for anything. Because Pam says it where, you know, if you're at Disney and your trip goes sideways, I mean, they're awesome at recovery. They'll say, hey, next trip, we're going to line you up with Fast Passes. We're going to get you a better hotel room. We're going to take care of you. We get one chance with a wish family. And there is no, I would get frustrated with anybody in my team or on the operation side who says they don't have the tools to make the wish successful. I don't think anyone's ever denied something to say, ah, we shouldn't spend that on that. It's like, that doesn't happen here. And there's something just so special about a community and, and a culture of work like that here. It's a yeah. wish granting factory. It's, 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 I, it's hard to explain. And I kind of got get mad at myself. That took me like nine and a half years of working at Disney to like even understand what give kids a role was like, Oh yeah, they have the button in the park. And it's like, I get mad at myself. Like I, I'm, I question everything. I mean, like I read every single Disney blog. Cause I want to work there. Like I felt like I was in conspiracy theories all the time. It's like, why did I like never Google like what give kids world was? Why did I never go down there? Um, and I think I kind of get mad. I like wasted 10 years of my life here in central Florida before kids, or I could have been out here more, you know, making an impact. So I think you're making well, up for it now, though, Stephen. Like, yeah. For I'm, sure, I'm doing overtime now to make up yeah, for those. Absolutely, those yeah. 
Yeah. You're making up for it all the all that time. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think, Stephen, one of the things that you touched upon that's sort of stuck with me over the last few minutes is the idea about perspective, you know, because for me, uh, as a Disney parks reporter for the better part of the past few years, I have a very unique and blessed job to visit the Disney parks multiple days a week and cover Disney news and now host a Disney show. I, I, I feel very fortunate to do what I do for a living. Um, but like anybody, you know, you touched upon how even the people in the most fortunate of jobs, uh, they still come home and, and end up complaining about the mundane. You know, uh, it's so easy to get caught up in, oh, she said this, or he said this, or I the had a bad day because of, course, of this. Yeah. Exactly. And it, and it happens not only at every job, but with friends, mm -hmm. with family, you know, there's such little things that we all come home and complain about, even the price of gas. It doesn't matter what it is. But I think, you know, for you and being in the position that you're in, and even for Alyssa and I, I can tell you just like having you on the podcast and talking about this, it's one of those perspective changers that I think more people need because, um, you know, life is is hard don't get me wrong but it can be a lot worse and there's people out there who are going through a lot worse and and uh you know so it, it's one of those just just touching upon perspective i think is something that people all over the globe i hope uh and i hope anybody who listens or watches this episode sort of takes that home with them and remembers like okay you know what um i'm i'm not gonna complain as much about the, the bad sandwich I had yesterday at lunch, you know, it's the little things that don't matter as much when you think about it, but yeah, but regardless, uh, super excited to jump into the second half of this episode. <laughs> but before we do, I do want to mention that this episode of the Mickey Bob podcast is sponsored by Mickey travels and Mickey travels is a nationally recognized leader in Disney vacation planning. They are diamond earmarked by Disney and their services are always 100% free. Reach out to Mickey Travels today for a free quote on your Disney vacation at MickeyTravels.com. That's MickeyTravels.com, making magic one vacation at a time. If you guys have missed some of our recent episodes, we've had, as you can see, uh, my wonderful new co-host, Alyssa, on. And uh, she is the owner of Mickey Travels. We've do dove deep into helping people plan their perfect Disney trip. So go ahead and check some of our recent episodes out. And... Uh, head over to Mickey Travels if you ever need help planning a Disney vacation. Um, but Stephen, to jump into the second half of the episode, you know, I guess I wanted to ask you a question more specifically about Disney this time around because, you know, obviously, you know, you've you've got your experience with Disney and now you've got your experience with Give Kids the World. Um, but you know, I, I guess like, how has Disney, like your love for Disney? Um, and your appreciation for it, how has that changed and evolved over the years? And has maybe your role with Give Kids the World sort of, you know, changed it in in a way? Yeah, I think, you know, I have a team of about uh, 20 here and I, I look at them and, you know, almost all of them are former Disney cast members. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a where most people work here. Um, and I think there, everybody has a different decision in their life, a different timing of why they would want to come over and work for a nonprofit. And um, I, I think is it timing is everything on that one. I said my, my career at Disney was awesome for 10 years. Uh, it was, you know, the I said the opportunities of, you know, the press events, you know, when I look behind me here, it's like, you know, opening up new fantasy land, the new test track splits. I mean, it's like, I, I think I was numb to how cool it really was in real time because, you know, Disney does a lot. Of, we opened up a lot of things when we were there. Um, and I think that's, that's uh, you, we learned, I learned a lot more than I think um, that I realized I was learning in real time. And it's kind of cool to come over here and lead both the fundraising and the marketing teams. Um, Cause that, that's advancement is just the code name for fundraising and marketing combined into one. Um, and I think, you know, to kind of talk a little bit about Night of Million Lights, huge inspiration from Disney, of course. Um, I mean, first off, the 3.2 million lights were donated by Walt Disney World to make that all possible. And people will often ask, like, are those leftover Osborne lights? And, and the fair answer for that is kind of. Um, Disney never really reused the lights more than once. Uh, just from a, a show reliability standpoint, you wouldn't want to keep using that because it was a program show. Um, so Disney had ordered a year's worth of lights much earlier in advance before they made the decision to not bring Osborne back. So they had the lights already available and they had been in the warehouse for five years. 
Um, so there was this opportunity that, you know, while we were closed, you know, and we closed like everybody else, um, but our reopening strategy was much different than everybody else because, you know, we often talked about like, you know, 99% of, you know, travel is safe. If you wear the mask, take the proper you know, precautions. Sure. Our kids are the 1% though. They're the ones with a critical illness that if something were to happen, it would be not the best scenario. So rather than being closed for a couple months, like our theme park friends, we stay closed for 10 months. So, you know, we closed in March, we opened up January 17th and uh, 21 then. And that was a huge impact to our operation. We had a team of 207 before the pandemic. And then midway through, we were down to 25 of us, uh, just because you don't need housekeepers and engineers and you don't need the entertainment staff. You didn't need the front desk team. So we held on to them, you know, the team as long as possible because we didn't know which direction the pandemic was going to go. Um, but we wanted to be ready and show ready that if we got the call that we, you know, if a family wanted to come on July 1st, by God, we'll be ready. Um, it just, you know, with the theme park reservation systems, a little hesitation from the wish granting partners there, we just made that, you know, that decision to hold off until we felt like it was a little bit of a better time. Given that opportunity, you know, this property is beautiful and it is never available for the public to see. We do a 5k once a year. It's the only opportunity uh, someone from the public can really see what we do. Um, so we sat around in a room and I, uh, I was, I had pitched a, a lighting event here in 2018 and 2019, uh, not pandemic related, but our Avenue is just so darn pretty. And it's like lighted up with Christmas lights. And I had done my college program in the same area where Osborne was. So of course, when you, when the little mermaid and the playhouse shows were done for the night, you got moved down to Osborne. So I got very much ingrained into loving that. And my heart was broken when that went away from the parks. I thought it was like the most stunning show. And I was always confused. How could nobody else ever want to bring that back? So I, I pitched an idea here and I said, let's just light up the avenue. Uh, it'd be really beautiful. And I, in my dizzy mindset, I was like, we'll do a dessert party. And, you know, we'll bring out, you know, it'll be very VIP exclusive event, but, you know, we can do it safely outside. We control our roads. We have parking lot. We can do everything within the, the parameters that the theme parks are doing. Um, and then my, then my brain just goes like, maybe we can light like four houses though. And I was like, okay. I was like, maybe we can do like 10 houses. And then I was like, maybe we should do 55 houses. Uh, and we called a couple of our friends in the, in the industry and said, you know, we don't allow a corporation to advertise at Give Kids the World within the walls here. There's not a sign that says, you know, our castles presented by Walt Disney. It's not, there's no sponsorship here. So trust me from being the fundraising side to be like, do you want to sponsor? I can't say your name, um, but out of the kindness of your hearts, do you want to support this organization? And every year we do find those right partnerships but night of Memphis was an opportunity that since we had no wish kids here we could celebrate those partnerships uh, and we called upon everybody to decorate a yard however you want uh and it was the funniest thing ever because you're watching these theme park partners install look at their neighbor and go oh they did that much and then they come back in and then they would like add more elements uh, it was like back and forth like by year two universal had universal creative actually design and install their installation like one night I was like, who are you guys? Like, oh, we're the, we're the team. We're doing the color temperature on the light bulbs for this yard to make sure that it looks good for the guests. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but like, I'm glad you guys <laughs> care this much about that. So, um, you know, we, we were donated those millions of lights. You know, we were in this time when all of these Disney techs were still furloughed. Uh, we hired 32 of them, gave them work for about eight weeks, and then kept the team on for to run the show. You know, the original technical director and people who were lighting designers for Osborne, who worked for a little time, they were the same position that they had at Osborne. So we got to hire this huge team on of creative people who at that time were looking for an opportunity that wouldn't be full, full time. And we did this show that we welcomed in our three years of it, uh, just under uh, 300,000 guests. And it became this opportunity for us to really share more about our brand, our where you know, cause you know, create this awareness. They got to see what we do here. So there are a lot of people now in this community who know about Give Kids the World because we hosted this Christmas light event. And I was just talking to someone earlier today. It's like it wasn't rocket science to pitch, you know, lighting up the village. I mean, like again, there every Christmas season I go, I want to program my house like everybody else does. I want to do an Osborne. Luckily, I have a, a leadership team where, you know, our president where I just go, can I light this like Osborne? And she, Pam's like, sure. Uh, it's like, like the, I was so calibrated for Disney to be like, who else do we have to ask? And it's like, nobody, just do it. It's like, that's like the cool thing about here of like, there are many days at Disney where I go, man, I would love to pitch an idea like that. So a lot of those, that training in my 10 years of working in the marketing, the strategy, the operation side, bringing it here. And I, I mean, I'm going to segue myself um, because, you know, one of those things are uh, I'm wearing a T-shirt today, which is very unusual for me to wear a T-shirt in the office. Um, but we loaded up our tour bus today. 
um, we are doing a uh, national bus tour kicks off uh, in Texas on Saturday. We're traveling 4,000 miles. We're visiting, the bus is fully wrapped. Uh, it's a, the, the skyline of what the village looks like on it. And we're visiting 10 theme parks in 10 days. Every single one of the theme parks is free for alumni families who have stayed at Give Kids the World. So we're welcoming 5,000 Wish Kids and their family members in 10 consecutive days. So, you know, from Fiesta, Texas, all the way up to Six Flags Great America, you know, all the way over to Kings Island and back down to, you know, Six Flags over Georgia, everywhere in between. I have a team of 12 of us and then volunteers in every single city throwing this awesome party. Um, but is this new approach that, you know, it's like when I worked at Disney, we would do these stunts where a bus would come in at Disney Springs for a week and we'd do something. And I remember being in this organization going, I want to do that. We should, we should, we have a hundred, you know, under 190,000 alumni across the country. Why, why do we not get into the community more? So I went to Pam and I said, I want to do an alumni event. And then it turned into like, let's rent a tour bus and go across the country for, you know, last year we did the whole East coast, you know, from, you know, Dollywood up to Sesame place. It was just a blast. And I think that's, what's really special about this organization is that I can take a lot of those Disney calibrated, crazy ideas, present them. And then the, the, there's no, there's no one. There's very few bureaucracy steps in between to make something launch. I was going to say what's so great, Stephen, is like it comes in from your brain and your heart to reality. And that's amazing because like you said, like a lot of companies and I don't, this is just truth. It has to go up so many rungs of the ladder. <laughs> it's hard to find the, the one percent. It's easy to find people that will say no. I always say it's hard to find the person, that, the one person who will say yes. Exactly. Um, but I love the fact that you don't <laughs> stop, that you you know, you're like, I'm going to put this out there. And you know what I've, I've always been told my whole life is if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no, because you didn't ask. So you always have to ask and you never know if one time you ask something and someone says, I love it, let's make it happen. Yeah. So from your brain and your heart to the reality, I mean, I think the bus sounds like, I mean, you know, it's like Aerosmith. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, pretty amazing. You know? Uh, the, the the bus has 12 people on it because the amount of things that we have to load in a bus to have a, like a, it's, these parties are so cool. So what happens is, um, you know, I get, we're in San Antonio on our first stop there and every single park, we have a pre-park party where for about 90 minutes, we bring our characters out because you know, at the village, you know, every single day is a different holiday here. So you mean, every Thursday is Christmas at Give Kids the World. Every Monday is Halloween. I mean, Santa's here. It snows. There's a parade. There's a toy shop every Thursday for those kids. On Monday, the kids get to go trick-or-treating because, you know, they might have been seeking treatment over the last couple of years, and they might not have experienced the holidays the same or the unfortunate reality that, you know, they might not make it to the next holiday. Uh, and we want to make sure that we have this whole week where we have the holidays. So on the road, we do the exact same thing. All of the zones of our party are the different holidays that we celebrate here at Give Kids the World. They get, you know, there's dance party. We cater the meal. Everything is free for them when they get there. They get, then the theme parks open the gates early for free for an hour. So then just the wish kids get the park and then they get to stay in the park for free for the rest of the day. So these theme park partners have bent over backward. They understand the mission. Um, and I, I will love on partners outside of Disney for one second because no, almost nobody knows this, that we run a program called the IAPA World Passport Program. And when a child checks out of Give Kids the World, they're given this passport and 200 theme parks across the country will provide free access for a wish child for one year. So they can take this passport, they can go to Dollywood, they can go to you know Great Adventure, they can go anywhere for a year for free and that to me is the most valuable annual pass that anybody can have. So they'll finish their wish trip here. They know they're going to get it. So they will drive back home to Wisconsin and stop at seven other theme parks along the way. I mean, in Gatlinburg, I mean, there's 11 Ripley's locations that they get to go to for free. For crowd. I mean, like it is just, it's something so special. That <laughs> it's it, a nice party favor. It, it's, yeah. and I, it's and more swag, you know, like the swag. It's like, you know what I mean? Like not to, but it's like a nice little uh, take. I mean, more than nice that's just amazing I, and you know we deserve it i love the fact that i mean these are just deserving not only children but families you know i yeah. think one of the things that we tend to forget is the children are going through something exactly. absolutely like we don't know but the families are going through it too maybe not physically but certainly mentally uh emotionally so it really is um, a tribute to what the families are going through. They deserve this equal to the children that are going through it because, they, you know, they're, they are going through it together. 
Um, again, yeah. I, I don't mean to belittle like, oh, you know, the families aren't going through the physical part of it, but they certainly are sharing the burden of the emotional uh, and the, um, you know, the mental and emotional that none of us hopefully will ever experience, you know, ourselves. I, I think about the emotional reaction I have on my toughest days, like personally by myself, how I feel about that. And then again, imagine something so much worse. So like these parents, they're going through so much and they have to keep everything. They can't show that to their, their wish child. Cause like they have to be the one strong for them the entire time. So we always say the village experience is for the entire family because everybody has been impacted and the siblings too. They might've been having to say a grandma, grandpa, or an aunt and uncle while the parents have been focusing on the wish child while seeking treatment there. So it is this week where the family gets to do everything together. And, you know, Jared, when you probably came here years ago, um, our dining used to be different. It used to be uh, peppered across the village. And we realized that families weren't eating together then. Mom and dad and mom and son would go get, you know, chicken at one location. Someone would go to the pizza place and then they wouldn't eat together. So, we, you know, when our cafeteria now, we built it about eight years ago. It looks very much like an all-star or pop century where it's one giant dining hall with different bays of food. But that guarantees that the families then will sit down at the same table and eat dinner together, which I sometimes I get emotional. When I think it was like it is is not as obvious as something that might not happen every single day for those families where, you know, some of these people are working multiple jobs because, you know, seeking the, finding the best doctor and finding the right treatment for their kid has a lot of these families, they've exhausted every available dollar that they have for their wish child here. So it is just, it is incredibly special to see these families laughing and having a meal together, which again, might not be as common as we think it is. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing to, to just point out, you know, because both of you guys actually touched upon this, the idea of, you know, doing doing something extra special for the family as well. Because Alyssa brought up a really good point um, about that. Just just the whole like, you know, when a child is going through something momentous and something so difficult, um, it is often forgotten, you know, how the mom is not sleeping at night or mm -hmm. the dad is, you know in his most vulnerable emotional state the dad's ever been in his life, you know? And I think about that often because, um, you know, it's, it's such a difficult process, I'm sure, to sort of stomach as a parent because the thing, the person, everything that you love most in the world is, is your child, at least so I've been told. So, and I'm, right. uh, and, and I was, you know, and I was just, I just got married last year. Um, and I was, uh, thank you. And, you know, and I, I've known my wife since we were 13, since we were kids. So for, for us, it's been like a kind of like a lifelong journey in many ways. And we're getting much closer now to the point of having children of our own. And I think about this and I say this to my wife all the time. I'm like, the minute I have, if I ever have a daughter that has like a, a miniature version of your face, like I think I would jump in front of a train for like, I, you know, I don't know what I would do, you know? And so just thinking about it gets your wheels turning about like how difficult it must be, I guess, to actually have children for both of you guys. You guys obviously have that perspective, you know, Alyssa has three children and you have two. So it's, you guys actually understand how that feels. I'm just sort of imagining, but I will say <laughs> this, uh, I will say this, one of the things we've touched upon several times on this podcast is there's a difference when you're a kid, you go to Disney, right? And you're seeing everything as if it's the most amazing thing in the world. When you bring your kids to Disney, we've had guests on this podcast say this. Uh, when you bring your kids to Disney, you're suddenly watching Disney through your kid's eyes. Yep. You know, you're suddenly like looking at your kid. So what you were talking about, Stephen, about the idea of like, you know, creating this atmosphere for the whole family, I think is really special. And the reason I bring this all up is because we don't know how many nights and how many days the mom and the dad and the family has struggled just to see their kid smile like a normal kid, you know, and this whole village is designed to make the whole family smile. So it, like, you know, a special Thursday that's celebrating Christmas for a child might, might be an amazing day just for them. But for the mom, it might be extra special because, oh my God, I'm seeing my kid actually happy for a change after all of this stuff. So I really do think that's like a, you know, something important for, for everybody to remember. I always, uh, 
it comes back to me like these family, these parents will they'll tell the story of their child, you know, the the journey that it took to get them there, and they've told the story, you know, a thousand times, and you know, all of them have this community. They usually have like a Facebook page for their child, and you know, maybe they're not as emotional to to share their story. Uh, but for me, it's like, you know, if, if I don't have an emotional reaction, I feel like, you know, am I numb to it all? And I remember standing in the back of the room, uh, Pam was speaking at the GM conference at IAPA before the pandemic. And I knew the story. I had heard it before. She had shared it, you know, at a different thing. And I've probably heard it a couple of times. And I was like still in the back of the room bawling. And it was a story about, you know, two parents who had passed on um, an illness to their, uh, their three children that wasn't recognized until they were six years old. Um, and it was 100% terminal so that they had produced three children who unfortunately would visit me. The line that they'd use is, you know, we'll see you again in a couple of years. Um, so like knowing that they, they had done something to all three of their kids. And I'm in the back, every time I hear that story, I'm like bawling in the back. As I, you know, as, as when I became a parent, I put myself in that position to now go, oh gosh, I, I can now, I, I, for some reason, I couldn't feel that emotion before having kids. And then and I asked Pam and I go, you know, it's like, I know the story, like, you know, like, why, why do I still get emotional? And Pam's like, if you ever don't get emotional here, don't work here. It's like, if that doesn't do something to you, it's like, then something's wrong. And I go, I I, I, I appreciate that feedback. And I always tell people, you know, this team, like you have to have some business, but you have to have some heart. Um, You can't be, you can't be, the pendulum can't be too far on one side. But if, uh, you know, when I walk on the hallway and the, you know, 20 people on my team, like if they don't have emotional reaction to what we're doing here, um, it's like, it's not a right fit for them because you choose to work that give kids the world. Um, and it, for me, it's like every time that, you know, we, we raise extra funds, create more awareness, get more volunteers here, the satisfaction, you can see that, that effort coming you know, to fruition and you know, the extra money raised, we get to have more wishes, we get to build more buildings that, that part didn't fully exist for me at Disney because like when I was producing, you know, an ad, I was like, I hope you know, the attendance of animal kingdom now increases 10% and I will attribute the success to that. But for here, it's like, when we go a million dollars over goal, it's like, cool do you want to build more like that impact is, you know, and we always tell donors that we need everybody to be donating funds also to the, you know, the treatments and you know, the research to make sure that we can get rid of these illnesses. But I always say that if you donate a dollar to give kids the world, you can come out here at any time and see it in action, which is really hard for a lot of charities to show the impact of a donation. But every single day that magic's happening every second here. And I think that's something that's really special that I'm glad I don't work on a you know seventh story of a building, you know, in a cubicle farm. I like that I can look out my window right now outside my office and I can see kids at the horse corral. That's cool. Like that's like that. I, I again, I have to remind myself every day that that's not normal. It's very much like a Disney thing where, yeah, when you work at the parks at Disney, it's like what you think is normal is not normal at all. Um, you know, it's like, I always joke when I worked at Disney, it's like when I left, I was like, oh, I forgot how cool it was to go get like a Tron cast preview. It's like, that was like commonplace when you worked for the, or, you know, when you work for the company, it's like, I, I'd be mad if they didn't give me a preview. And it's like, now that I'm on the outside, I'm like, oh, dang it. I, I wish I would have appreciated more of those cool perks that the Walt Disney Company <laughs> offered me while I was there. Cause now I'm like everybody else trying to figure out. And I, uh, I have a 0% success rate in virtual queues. Um, so it's like, I don't know why I'm so awful at that thing. I like disappoint the family every single time. I'm like, Hey kids, remember we're going to studios today. Yeah, we're we're going to Epcot today. <laughs> Change of plans. I think they're not open today. It's crazy, guys. <laughs> so, Steve, let me ask you a quick question. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of the future, right? Because as you know, you know everybody. You know, if you never want to stand still. You obviously are. Your brain seems to have a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, what are your thoughts for or or the team? For the future, um, you know, is it you know? Obviously, you want to keep growing. You want to make more grant more wishes. Yeah. Um, any any other insight into where you see give the kids give kids the world going? Yeah. In the future. I just uh, I did a, right before this. Um, I did a ninety day review. We onboarded a new um, senior director of a of new business here. It's a position that didn't exist, um, but it's one of those things where. You know, we, we're aligned with partners that, you know, we realized that during the pandemic, we're very much with the hospitality industry. Uh, and when a, when a when a pandemic goes through that industry, it definitely impacts us too. Because, you know, if our hotel partners aren't even operating, we shouldn't ever assume that they're fundraising anything for the village with, if there's no customers available. Yeah. So we realized that we just have to diversify. And we, you know, the... The one thing that we do pride ourselves on here is that our starting uh, wages for our operating, you know, our coordinators on this team, which would be considered frontline at a theme park there, if Disney raises their rate, we do it the same day too. Uh, and we try to beat them to it also and try to be a little bit more to make sure that we can incentivize them. But the one problem we have is that 
um, we can't raise the price of a wish. So that while we pay higher wages and the expense line goes up for us every single year, the revenue falls back on to my team then. So you know we have to continue to figure out how to, every year is also a record budget. And this year was a 25% increase in revenue from year to year. And it's something that we have never seen in our history because it's typically only a couple percent. But we pledge to make sure that we take care of our team members here. And it's it's not a burden. It's you know it's a fun challenge. So with, with that, on the on our 90 day review, I said, you know, I pitch a lot of crazy ideas here. Uh, and I go, there's 19 other people on this team. It's like, what do they why are they not coming in here and wanting to pitch those crazy ideas? Like what's holding everybody back from, from crazy? Um, because, you know, we can definitely take that. So that's where we're going to see the bus tour is in its second year. We've definitely figured out new ways to make it be even more successful, but what we're debuting on the road trip this year is we're launching the alumni club and a failure that, you know, I'm a part of the failures that when a wish child leaves, give kids the world, it's the last time we talk to them. And I think as we did the alumni tour last year and you get, you know, these, Kings Island has uh, 1,200 wish kids and their family members signed up for that one party. And you go, there's that many people in Cincinnati that are wish kid alumni who they don't know each other. And like we have the means and the resources to connect them once they leave here. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a shame on us that, you know, why they feel so included in the, you know, the camaraderie's here. Why do we not do that for them when they leave? So we're launching the alumni club on the road there. And each of the regions of the country now will have people assigned for my team that, it's not a fundraising initiative. It's just how can we help spread the awareness, to, you know, get that storytelling in the community? How do we get the wish kids who are coming to get excited? Um, so that's we're really excited to be expanding because, you know, most people outside of Kissimmee or Central Florida don't know about Give Kids the World. You know, we, we joke, it's like, we're the world's best kept secret. Yeah. I don't want to be the best kept secret anymore. I want people to know what we're doing here every single day. It's something really special that everyone who is involved here is really proud of. Um, and I think we want to kind of create that national presence. And I always tell people, kids from Kissimmee are not wishing to come to give kids. Well, it's the people from the communities all across the country. So people often refer to us as like a local charity here in Central Florida. That's not the case at all. We're global. One in eight wishes are actually international. You know, 76 countries send us the wishes too. I love when we get the kids from Paris who will bypass Disneyland Paris and go, we'd rather come to Disney World for our wish experience here. So we're just trying to get that messaging out there that, you know, when we go to Texas, you know, part of a, you know, I just did a, a media interview. Every 16 hours, a wish child comes from Texas to give kids the world. You know, just under 500 kids a year, just from Texas. So we want, we, we want to get that message out there that we are serving from every single community. So, and my team loves it. Anytime any partner wants us in a plane, we fly there and we thank them. Even if it's a bowling tournament for 2000 bucks, we want to go out there and give that personal thank you, which is part of Pam's trade. Pam right now is uh, on this Wednesday right now. She is in rural Canada at a golfing tournament that involves a two-hour ferry ride for her to get to that, and then has to fly to Texas unrelated to the bus tour for a two-day convention, and then we'll drive from Dallas to San Antonio to get, like, Pam, our president and CEO, travels at minimum 200 days a year for the mission. She works seven days a week, and on our 994, which is our, our tax document where Anybody who's executive level has to fill out, you know, like the salary and how many hours you work a week. We all list 40. Pam on a legal document writes 70 um, because Pam works seven days a week for this this team. And she's done that for 30 years straight. Um, for, she lives and breathes this mission. I've, I've, really, I've never worked for somebody before where like I, I aspire to be half the person as my leader uh, just with that level of passion. So I think in this next year, you know, we're, we're still coming out of the pandemic. We're still trying to figure out, get our footing to make sure that, you know, these record amount of wishes, we, we couldn't tell initially if it was a blip or if it's going to be consistent, but the trends of the reservations for the next year are, we're only going to get busier, which means we need to fund more villas here on our property. So again, what an, for me, what an exciting challenge. I mean, that, that to me, like we, I get to wake up every single morning and go like, how can we, you know, mobilize this team here and continue to fulfill record amount of wishes? Like that to me is like, perspective of pride of like that is cool to say that you had an impact in that amazing amazing yeah very amazing honestly this is uh you know this is our 31st episode here of the mickey blog podcast and i can tell you pretty confidently steven this is definitely one of the more profound and deep interviews and episodes we've ever had so first of all thank you for coming on and explaining this great organization i do hope that Many of our listeners and viewers who uh, get a chance to see this um, 
take a second to support Give Kids the World in, in any way that you can. Um, and on that note, I guess I wanted to ask, how can our listeners and viewers and readers and supporters yeah. of Mickey blog uh, sort of support Give Kids the World? Yeah, we, we always say the three things. There's give, serve, and share. Um, and I think sometimes people get a little intimidated by the volunteer process here at Give Kids the World. Um, the One of the silver linings that uh, the pandemic presented us was, was some efficiencies. So to become a volunteer, you can do your complete orientation now virtually. So if you live in you know Missouri, for example, and you're coming down for a Disney trip and you're, you you want to say, oh, you know, we're going to do Disney Springs you know, at noon, we're going to do lunch there. You can do a two-hour volunteer shift and once a year, and that's fine by us. There's no minimum commitment of how many hours you have to give our organization to come out and volunteer. And it goes all the way down to you know 12 years old. We can find volunteer shifts here. And it's all done online. You, know, you, you pick up your shifts. You know where you're going to work. You can pick up the shifts six months in advance. So if you know you want to work the ice cream parlor, you're not just going to show up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go. You're going to go work in the dining hall. So you can you have an idea of what you're going to do. So for me, it's like I, we see a lot of it with uh, families where they go, you know, if you're going to, if we're taking the kids out and we're saying that you're doing, you know, four days at Disney, you have to do, you know, half of a day volunteering with these same kids who are wishing to go to Disney World. Um, and then, you know, sharing for us is, you know, exactly what we're doing right now is that, you know, there are people who are listening to this right now who had never heard of the organization. So just the opportunity to share that is, it's incredible for us because I spend, I, I don't have a marketing budget. We don't do any external advertising at Give Kids World. I'm not selling the wish experience. The, the wishes are coming no matter what. So there's nothing I need to be promoting. So I have a team of, I have a five team marketing team. And I, whenever I go, we don't have a budget, they go, cool. It's like, what are we, what are we doing here? Uh, but yeah, you know, they're, they're really, um, uh, they, they do great, you know, social media impacts. That's what you know, the, the sharing. And then the, the gift part is we do so many unique fundraisers across the country. We do them here locally too. You know, we do coasting for kids. We're in 16 other theme parks throughout the summer where for, you know, a hundred dollars, they will open the theme parks for anybody. So, you know, you and I could go do that uh, at Bush Gardens, Williamsburg or Dollywood. Um, and then we do a lot of events here locally, you know, night of a million lights, you know, we have officially sunset that program. Um, because it's just our our need for our families outweighs whatever the fundraising initiative would be for that. Because, you know, we, we had to look in the mirror and basically go, you know, what's our mission? Our mission is to serve these families. And I think the idea that any family would ever feel uncomfortable that we'd be letting people in to, you know, take photos of houses that they're staying in, uh, or, you know, it's this, this ground sacred for them. So I don't want ever to take away an attraction experience because, you know, a retail guest was at, that's not what we're doing here. Um, and with that, I will say, you know, stay tuned because, of course, we will think of something else uh, in the meantime. Because um, I, I never, I always tell my, my team always jokes like, "You just want to continue to ruin Christmas for all of us." And I go, "Yep, I love hosting events right on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, where <laughs> we continue to work. I did it for ten years in the theme parks. We're going to keep doing it here at Give Kids the World." But again, it's it's it shows just like this, where you know, it's it's a simple conversation. Um, but you, you can't, if you read a boilerplate about Give Kids a World that's 150 words, you'll never fully understand what we're doing here because we can't put that specific storytelling in that type of content. So given the opportunity to talk for an hour is the best way with the exception of coming out here and seeing it in person. I have to just say, Stephen, I'll let you know, Jared wrap it up. Um, it is an honor to have you here, um, a privilege to have you here. Um, you know, I know... A lot of my close friends, uh, even family members who have um, done many fundraisers on their YouTube channels for, you know, and, and actually gotten two, three wishes in fundraising. Yeah. Um, I know you know who I'm talking about, um, some real good people. Um, but just to be able to talk about this amazing, amazing place. And like you said, I, I don't think any of us could verbally give it as much justice as it deserves because it's just such a special place. And um, and I feel absolutely privileged and honored that you would share um, with us in that hour, just what it's about. And hopefully, even if, you know, a couple people, you know, get touched by it, want to donate, want to volunteer, it's it's just amazing. And we'll, we will continue to spread, spread the word as well. Great. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you that, um, you know, I, one of my, one of my goals for Mickey blog is to uh, have our own version of, uh, of a yearly front fundraiser, if not um, multiple eventually. And this is a, this is absolutely a program that comes directly to mind because this is just 
it's a it's a very special thing that you guys do not just on a on a yearly basis but on a daily basis you know to to wake up and have that mission in mind to to make this day or this week or this trip uh really special for those kids you know again it it adds a level of perspective that i really do hope anybody who's listening or watching this episode takes from this um beyond hey maybe i should go help give kids the world with a donation or volunteering you know just try not to try not to overthink and sweat the small stuff so much because there are so many people out there going through a lot of stuff and and thank God for uh, Give Kids the World for for helping some of them out there. So Absolutely. for all of our listeners and viewers, we want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast. Every episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast comes out to you every single Friday. So be sure to uh, check your platform, whatever you listen or watch on to see the latest episode. Um, if you'd like to go back and check out some of our previous episodes, we have multiple episodes about everything Disney from the cruise line to the parks, to the company, to the movies, and so much more. So feel free to check out any of our older episodes. And if you'd like to support Mickey blog, head over to the blog to get the latest news on all things Disney. We cover everything Disney constantly, 24-7. It really doesn't stop. And um, and beyond that, of course, feel free to support us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on this episode. And uh, we will catch you guys next week on another edition of the Mickey Bog Podcast.